Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Since I've been uh, at Kentucky Humanities, uh, it has been uh, an extreme pleasure to get to know so many nice people, but also to go through the process that people often ask me about uh, choosing uh, our Chautauqua performers. And one of the uh, uh, pleasures of uh, this position is learning about uh, the, the, the process that one goes through to become uh, a, a Chautauqua performer. Uh, the uh, arduous, uh, uh, tough process of uh, scripting and costuming and, and, and how the idea originates and the people that we work with. And one of the most amazing stories that we discovered last year was uh, this uh, wonderful person who sits across the Think Humanities podcast microphone with me, Deborah Falk in real person, <laughs> uh, but this uh, character that you play currently for Kentucky Humanities, uh, whose name is Nancy Green, who is that, they tell me and they say, and I uh, often say to audiences uh, when I'm uh, addressing a Rotary Club or a, a community group of some sort, uh, do you know that Aunt Jemima, the original Aunt Jemima of pancake fame is from where? Montgomery County. That's right. Kentucky. Mount Sterling. Mount Sterling. And and that's Nancy Green. Are you kidding me, Mr. Goodman? No, no, I'm not kidding you. Deborah Falk, welcome to the microphone. Why, thank you, Mr. Bill Goodman. How are you this morning? I'm just fine. And it's so good to have you tell us not only about uh, your performance and your character and what it means to you, but a little bit about yourself. And let's just, let's just dismiss with uh, Aunt Jemima right now and talk about you and and let me ask you about your, your growing up and your Kentucky roots and then leaving for a while and coming back. Tell me your story. Yeah. Well, this is actually uh, my second time around. So I am a Lexington native. I was born uh, right on Aspendale Drive, and that was uh, the East End Projects back when I was born, 1968. So... Uh, we lived there until I was three. I'm the baby of five. And my father helped build our first house, which was out in Winburn. Now it's called Winburn Estates. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we moved to Winburn. I'm the baby of five, where I went to Mary Todd Elementary to Winburn Junior High, where my sister was an educator there. And uh, from Winburn Junior High, I went to Bryan Station Senior High, and I ran away and went to California to become a singer. Somebody told me I couldn't sing, so then I started doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> but you did do some singing, maybe in high school or, or just in the, um, the neighborhood or at home? At or? Main Street Baptist Church, ah. where we were all uh, forced and loved going to church there. My mother was the head soprano singer in the Mm. women's choir and all of us were in the children's choir at main street baptist church so you grew up singing uh gospel yeah that's how most of us start that's our captive audiences church because you'd be there all day on sundays (laughs) well i didn't know we would even be talking about this but just happens uh that um 
the church that, uh, that, that I attend uh, and a minister who's been with us for about six months or so has a real, um, she's so thoughtful and, and respectful and uh, wants to um, always uh, talk to us about I- important matters of the day. And we've been singing some gospel music. We've been singing some old-time hymns. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not sure, I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm going to say it to you, Deborah Falk, I'm not sure I knew the full story of Amazing Grace and, mm. and how that was uh, put. Do you know Do you know that? We're not going to go into that on the podcast. No, but do you know? I, I didn't know the story. I just sang the songs. I knew the words. I knew all the books of the Bible. And you know, I was really well, good at Sunday school. My, my aunt taught Bible school. My sister taught Sunday school as well as yeah. being the home economics teacher at Winburn. Um, you know, so I, I, I grew up with that upbringing. Well, for all of those who are a bit curious, uh, and, and I need to do a little bit more research on this myself, the, the original um, melody, uh, tune, uh, for Amazing Grace was, was, uh, was hummed and, and sung by, by slaves in uh, a slave ship uh, being transferred back and forth mm-hmm. uh, to various places. Uh, countries, uh, certainly to Africa. And the, um, one of the, the captains of the ship himself became enslaved through a pirate, uh, insurrection and, uh, had to endure some of the same things that he'd put the slaves through. And, and he put, he knew the tune, he knew, uh, the melody and he wrote the lyrics uh, to Amazing mm. Grace. How about that? And um, the rest is history, as they say. But I bet you sang <laughs> that when you were a little girl. We did, but I can't tell you what the lyrics are. <laughs> I don't even remember half of the, the other books. Yeah. I used to know all the books, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And as I have lived life, I've tried a few different religions, depending on where I lived so I found that quite interesting, too. So, so how was your experience in, in California, in, in Hollywood? It's phenomenal. They, they really gave me the life experiences that I needed to come back home. You know, uh, when I look at it and how I've come full circle, California got me ready to come back home to Kentucky to be the leader that I am. And... Um, you tell me about family that you still have here. Well, I mean, in my one household, I grew up with a sister that was mentally challenged that went to the bluegrass school. Uh, my other sister, Tammy, who was the educator, uh, she died of breast cancer. Then I had a brother in the army that came back from desert storm with PTSD. And my mother used to jump out of airplanes in the air force Mm. in the Korean war. And uh, she was on dialysis, and I'm currently caring for my 85-year-old disabled Korean War veteran father who uh, is disabled with dementia. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was all under one roof. Mm. So, and then I was a runaway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a juvenile Enough delinquent, yeah. <laughs> youth at risk, and yeah. having people tell me that you're, you're never going to be anything, really. And the funny thing about it is that I've always been funny. And so my desk was always placed outside in the hallway because I was, <laughs> disruptive. <laughs> I was uh. disruptive in school. 
and I'm still somewhat disruptive, but mm-hmm. I like to use it in a positive way now. <laughs> when, um, when you thought about coming back to Kentucky, and I know uh, a, a large part of that was your father's illness, and, yes. and uh, uh, you, he needed you, and he needed someone to, to care for him, and you felt that, that pull. What, what did you expect, other than taking care of your father, that you would be doing? I didn't expect anything but to care for my father. And I knew that I could do that being at home and having the support of the family because my thesis in my master's program was nobody does it alone. But I had no idea of really why I was pulled to come here Mm. because I was looking at dual PhD programs uh, in performance studies and arts at men in Texas. Mm. I was looking in Florida. I was looking everywhere but Kentucky. Mm. I wanted to be close enough, but yet far enough away. And we ended up coming here, and, and I ended up with the wonderful opportunity of being a Chautauqua uh, character, and then, you know, ended up with a reading, primetime reading as well. And then I ended up teaching at the Family Care Center. I ended up being an instructor at the University of Kentucky, teaching theater. And wow, you know, they say everything happens for a reason. And, and I'm definitely living proof of that. And, and I just count it all joy. You know, I'm getting to meet extended family, um, bringing my father home and, and having young black men see their grandfather, their great grandfather, to know that my dad has an eighth grade education, but he made his living with his hands, a, a retired carpenter from Fayette County Schools. You know, that, that's, that means something mm-hmm. to me and mm-hmm. our community, for our neighborhoods, for the, for the children. It was much bigger than me. I'm merely just a vessel, a messenger. And I accept that role proudly, and I'm glad to be here. Tell me about uh, the the origins. Uh, first of all, for those who, who don't know, uh, uh, Nancy Green, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Aunt Jemima, yes. uh, tell me about the first time uh, somebody brought her to your attention and, and sort of the, the genesis of how that character that you so beautifully have developed uh, uh, came to be. Well, originally, in in my culture, we mostly have oral history, and that's how I knew about uh, a lot of history in my family on my dad's side. My dad kept a lot of history alive for us that he knew growing up in his childhood. And you would hear things in the community, hey, do you know so-and-so's from here? Yeah, Muhammad Ali's from Kentucky, Lee Majors, Ashley Judd, you know. And you think, great, but when you hear stories about Aunt Jemima, nobody was really bragging Mm. about that uh, until a former professor of mine, Bo List, um, brought up the name Nancy Green. I had never heard that name, just the Aunt Jemima part. Now, I know Bo, and and Bo uh, has worked with you. He works with a number of our uh, Chautauqua performers, and he's been with uh, an affiliation with Kentucky Humanities for some time. But And I've never asked Bo this question. How did he... How did he become aware of Nancy Green? Do you know? To my knowledge, I think he, you know, Bo's story was because of the wonderful people here at Kentucky Humanities wanting to be more diverse. And he began to do his research, uh, as Bo does. Mm-hmm. 
and it it popped up. They've got this crazy thing now called Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine that. We had encyclopedias. <laughs> We actually had to go to books. Now our now our students can go to the internet. And he Googled it. And uh, Bo told me immediately he thought of me because this woman was a storyteller. You know, with me being a professional stand-up comedian, <laughs> Bo said, you're either going to kiss me or you're going to kick me. Well, I, I did both. <laughs> so yeah. once we uh, both started really looking into who she was and asking the questions and doing the research and going back and forth to Chicago and visiting the cemetery and finding out about the church and her people. It became quite interesting. And then we took a trip to Mount Sterling and began speaking with Miles Hoskins at the Historical Society there in Mount Sterling. And Miles was, man, he just started pulling out books and you know, uh, property, who owned who. And, and and then I got involved with my scholar, Dr. Alistine Turley, who is the African-American director at Berea College. And she specializes in events before 1850s. Mm. And, and my librarian, Rayonette Jones at the University of Kentucky, phenomenal women that are, these people, we already knew, you know, but what do we know? Mm-hmm. So it just became a real fun project for us all to uh, uncover and unveil this woman who was so humble that made these sacrifices and being called these names and being ridiculed. And how do you separate Nancy Green from Aunt Jemima and understanding that struggle that a lot of black women face of we wear the mask, who am I? And somehow you get lost trying to be what people expect you to be. You know, so I, so I understood that very well. One of the, um, one of the most poignant, one of the most uh, successful studies, um, conversations that we Uh, have had at Kentucky Amenities, you were such a big part of uh, our race relations citywide uh, conversation uh, at the Lyric Theater last year, Uh, the performance the following day at the new Frederick Douglass High School was amazing with these kids and what, what, how they responded. It's the dialogue that we want to continue to have about race and about relationships and uh, relations and, um, you just, uh, though, highlighted and, and gave uh, credit to some amazing women and, and Bo yeah. List also uh, that, that really um, knew of Nancy Green and did the research and all that. You, you've made this character come alive. I mean, there's no question. There's, there's no way that we, we take anything away from this, this amazing performance uh, that you are doing more and more uh, all the time now across the state of Kentucky um, and, and the crowds that you're drawing and uh, the questions that are raised. Wow. And it really raises the, 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 um, the issue uh, that sometimes people are hesitant to talk about sure. and, and the sensitivity. Uh, we, uh, as you know, are trying to have that conversation even more. Uh, we've had requests uh, to take not only you, but uh, the, the conversation to other cities across Kentucky. 
So uh, it's good to give credit to uh, the, the women that did some of the research uh, for you and, and helped you mold this, this character. Um, if you had to kind of boil it down and explain to somebody in, uh, that, that hasn't seen your performance mm-hmm. who Nancy Green was and what she became and how she ended her life, that's sort of your full performance uh, in a nutshell, how would you sort of boil that down and, and tell someone? You know, when I look at Miss Green, I see my mother and my grandmother and my aunts and my sisters and my neighbors and my teachers. I see all these beautiful black women that have been so strong for a number of years and how we continue to carry the load and continue to keep moving forward because that's all we know. So for me to portray this woman, it's as if she's our mascot. She's the umbrella for all the other women that stand with her under this umbrella. So for me to portray this woman, I feel like I'm touching a lot of women saying, hey, listen, yeah, I might be out here selling these pancakes and doing this, but there's a reason why. And it really helped me with my life because I too was going through a struggle of being Deborah, you know, the one that's born here in Lexington, Kentucky. But then I also had to create a Didi, someone else who could go on stage and perform. So that was your your stage name was Didi Rainbow. Is that correct? Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's still my stage name, yeah. but I I've learned how to differentiate the the two. You know, Deborah is definitely the nurturer, the one that cares, uh, the one that'll cry with you, the one that'll come and visit you in the hospital. Dee Dee's the one that's going to talk to the promoters about where's my check, where's my money, how come, you know. <laughs> Dee Dee's like the security guard. <laughs> yeah. What, what, was your, what was your persona on stage in, in California as Dee Dee Rainbow? I mean, were you, yeah. well, what, did, did you have an attitude about yourself? Uh, were your, were your, uh, was your humor current event humor? What did, tell me a little bit about Dee Dee. Wow. Dee Dee was the bodyguard. Dee Dee was the protector, the, you can't, the, the rule maker. You can't go in there. You can't do this. And this is what I need from you. This is what you got to do. And this is what you need to do. You know, she was that agent that, that gave you those rules. Whereas Deborah was, Deborah doesn't want to talk about money and contracts. No, I want to talk about how's your day? Did you eat? Are you hungry? Hey, I've got an extra bed if you need somewhere to stay. But Didi makes sure that you know the deadline when you need to get out, (laughs) which comes in handy for the holidays. So I'm really grateful for that balance because I grew up watching my mother having to do that, taking care of a special needs child. Mm -hmm. So I watched my mother at home like you watch Nancy Green and the woman that's there to raise the kids and making sure you're all cleaned up and making Mm -hmm. sure the bills are paid you know and on the other side then you got that disciplinary you know you better not go outside without your coat on and and do this and do that so it's a wonderful Mm -hmm. balance and I needed that in my life you know I don't know if I've ever um 
interviewed or had conversation with a stand-up comic before. I'm just trying to. I was thinking as you were going through that. I'm trying to see you up on, you know, one of these little uh, stages somewhere yeah. in, a, in a little d- just dark and dingy nightclub. Is that is that? Do I have the picture right? Well, some know. of them were dark and yeah. dingy. The thing that I loved about Dee Dee is Dee Dee's is very much uh, outgoing. You know, she wears the different weaves, wigs, hats, mini skirts, stilettos. You know, were, were you heckled? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> did you invite that, or was that? Did no, that... I didn't invite oh. it, but I knew how to handle it. Yeah. You know, um, I think life uh, trains us for those things. So I, I enjoyed the the traveling and the living in the hotels and city to city and the bright lights and signing autographs. Mm-hmm. But then there's that Deborah side of me that wants to sit at home and cook a wonderful meal for the family and read books to the kids and be monogamous, <laughs> you know. So. This, um, this character, Nancy, uh, Aunt Jemima, what's the lesson today that you try to impart to audiences, whether they're uh, children or uh, the adults that you're addressing uh, all, all over the, the Commonwealth? What, what do you leave them with that, that you think they should have? What I always close with, somehow it's become my signature closing, which was also my thesis in my master's program, which is called Nobody Does It Alone. It was also the topic of my TED Talk that I just did uh, last week at Transylvania. But I always knew that I couldn't do it alone. So as Nancy Green, as Deborah Falk, I let everyone know that you can't do it alone. I I found that out by caring for my father and relying on caregivers and doctors and neighbors and other veterans. What I try to leave the audience with is that there's something special and unique about each and every one of us and nobody can take that away from you. You know, people have dreams, thoughts, and ideas, and I've, and I've always had those ideas. I didn't know how they were uh, going to flourish. I didn't know that. One thing in that voice that I have as Nancy Green is I believe in you, and I know you can do it, that encouragement to help encourage, inspire, and inform people. And you're not gonna get, you don't have to carry the load by yourself. You know, I got a wheelbarrow you can borrow. Maybe somebody else has got skates and maybe somebody's got a horse and buggy or maybe somebody's got a pigeon and we can, there's all kinds of ways. Hey, a hawk tried to come by the other day and pick up my dog out of the backyard. <laughs> you know, I don't, all help is not necessary, no. but there are other venues. There are other ways mm-hmm. to get there. If you don't have a car, you can catch the bus or you can catch a train or uh, get on the plane. There, there are other other ways, other forms of transportation. Um, One thing that I realized with Nancy Green is that you can keep hope alive and it don't matter what they call you, don't matter where you come from, where you've been, it's in all of us to do something meaningful. And I thought that I was coming home to care for my father. I came back to give back. And I thought I'd be giving my father back to the family, but really I found that I was giving myself back to my city, Mm. to my neighborhood, to my community, 
to my people, to my university, you mm. know? Yeah. That's a wonderful honor mm. when I can walk into a classroom at the University of Kentucky and have other African-American students come to me and go, what was it like when you went to school? Did, did you get any scholarships? Where can I get a book? Where can I, I need help. And I can tell them where to mm. go get mm. counseling, whether it's academic yeah. or career or personal, you know, that that's major. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to feel bad about seeking help and getting therapy, Mm. going to counseling. These things are helpful. Mental issues are real. And I grew up with it in my house. So even though my sister couldn't speak words, I still knew how to communicate with my heart Mm. and through our facial expressions. And we can sit still and be quiet and I know what you need and I know how you feel, I know what you meant. I can empathize and sympathize with you. You have said, uh, I believe, that you have been uh, surprised, uh, stunned maybe, uh, at the reaction that the audience members have had to you and that you didn't expect. Well, why, why do you think that is? <laughs> I'm, I'm very humble. And when I get people that come up to me to say that when I speak as my father, giving the message that he gave me growing up that's still universal 50 years later, that means something to know that I might be able to change somebody's heart, to change their mind about the way they think about people mm-hmm. or, 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 or a certain ethnic group, yeah. you know, and I tell people not, not everybody's bad. And I know a lot of times, especially black men, mm-hmm. they get it really bad. And I, I always want to brag about my father because he stayed mm-hmm. and I wanted people to understand I'm not bragging cause we were certainly not the Huxtables, but we wasn't the Evans family neither. <laughs> we were more like the Jeffersons. Yeah. I knew how to dream. I knew because my father told me that I could have a piece of pie. I could have cookies. I could have cupcakes and ho-hos and Twinkies. I didn't have to limit myself. And Moving my, on up. My daddy taught me that. and He's got an eighth grade education. Yeah. But that's a man that made a living building things with his hands. Mm-hmm. He had a talent. And I knew uh, my mother was a singer. She had a talent. And I, too, have a voice. I use it as comedy. And I know that my comedy helps heal people's pain. This, this is a movement. You know, I'm a movement by myself, but I'm a force when we're together. You know? <laughs> well, it's, not only, uh, it's not only comedy, Deborah, and you know this. I mean, you, you are being too humble that, that yours is a, a impactful, dramatic presentation uh, as as Nancy Green, as uh, Aunt Jemima, and uh, people that are listening to us can find out more about you on our website, uh, kyhumanities.org. You're available. uh, If they can squeeze you in, you've got a few (laughs) openings, but uh, I know you've been working a lot uh, in the last few weeks, traveling all over and meeting people and uh, meeting old acquaintances. and and, uh, It's been a beautiful journey. Even people that have worked with my father at at the school, at the yeah. Fayette County Schools, 
you know, 25 years ago and yeah. people are still coming to me saying, hey, your dad helped me. Yeah. You know, I knew your mom and yeah. it's just wonderful. They, they might remember that little Deborah Falk that used to uh, <laughs> used to go along with daddy somewhere or mama to right. church. Or the little Deborah Falk that was out on Cisco Road. That's yeah. the new Spur Road. Yeah. I just, I want people to know that you can't give up especially on our youth. We cannot give up on them. They need us and we need them because somebody's got to be here to carry on. And I just want to be able to hold that torch and light light somebody else yeah. up so we can all celebrate together. So if I had to put it in a nutshell, who is Nancy Green? I would say she is definitely a matriarch for Kentucky, a nurturer, a caregiver, uh, a woman that wore lots of hats that build churches and you know they're using big words she was a philanthropist and she she was miss green you know and and that's what we do in our community we take care of each other and i believe that for lexington kentucky for fayette county for winburn uh, for everybody out on the north side of lexington i want them to know that i came back to give back and it's my honor and my pleasure Thank you for being here. Thank you, Mr. Goodman. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud.